your Van Seas Weekly, the home for info and insight on the Vancouver Canadians and all Toronto Blue Jays minor league prospects. Hosted by Greg Ballack and Charlie Kasky. It is your Van Seas Weekly podcast, episode five. Already, things are just flying by here on the Your Van Seas Weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Greg Ballack, and with me as usual, Charlie Kasky, and we have a fully loaded episode today. Going to have a couple of guests on, so it's going to be a bit of a long one again, but it's a for good reason because there won't be a podcast for the next oh, a little over a week because I'll be in Edmonton. Um, how are you doing, Charlie? I'm I'm well. Yeah, you you never told me why you're in Edmonton. We we joked about it. You're over there signing baseballs for your fans, but <laughs> well, it is uh, summertime, and I, I do need a, a vacation every once in a while. Well, yeah, I don't so know how many Edmonton people would, would be my first choice as well. Right. Well, I'm I'm meeting a family member, so that's right. Uh, Family is have, the most important thing in life, as you know, Charlie. Well, and the water slides at the West Edmonton Mall. I'm sure you've already bought your pass. <laughs> You're the second person that told me to go to the water slides at West Edmonton Mall. I don't know why. Are they that fantastic? Uh, I, I used to, I think when I was a junior baseball player, we, we'd go to Calgary every summer for a tournament, and we'd always drive up to, to Edmonton after that. And yeah, the, the only place we went to was the mall <laughs> for like 24 straight hours and then drove home. So uh-huh. yeah. I'm actually going a little bit north of Edmonton to a, like a cottage area, so it's gonna be nice, peaceful getaway. Turn the phone off, you know, like, yeah. that kind of deal. I'm right? Sure, uh, sure, you're all about that. Yeah. You just got back from your vacation, exactly. So you yeah, when me. I did a, I did a bloody podcast from the deck, <laughs> so I wasn't turning my phone or computer off, was I? Still working. <laughs> Either way, it's good that we got this in here. We have Ian Hunter of BlueJayHunter.com. He's BlueJayHunter on Twitter. Uh, he's going to talk to us about his experience. He had a, a Connect with the Toronto Blue Jays day. Uh, they brought him in to meet a, a few ex-players and do a bunch of stuff with their social media. So that'll be interesting to talk to him. Uh, and then you have a guest that you're going to bring on, Charlie. His, uh, his name is... Connor, uh, Connor Penfold. Um, I just thought it'd be interesting, and I, and I hope to do this more often with the, um, the various affiliates, obviously, that the Canadians play. You know me, I'm I'm a bit of a prospect porn guy i guess you want to call it um and we just had salem kaiser in good town. thing he had the prospect in front of that yeah <laughs> exactly um, the wife might be listening just had just had the Salem kaiser volcanoes in town who are the nwl affiliate of the san francisco giants now that was the last time we'll see them unless right. of course something comes along down the road come playoff time but i still thought it'd be interesting to talk to somebody that has a, a, a greater insight than me into mm-hmm. the San, which is zero obviously into the San Francisco Giants system. So Connor's um he he started his own blog called Giant Potential and he's now a contributor for McCovey Chronicles, which is under the uh, the SB Nation umbrella. So I'd say one of the biggest known baseball blogs out there. Um, McCovey you know, Chronicles, I, I would say so. Oh, okay. For, speaking as a Jays fan that doesn't know very many other teams, I have heard of, of a few posts off of their website. So that's. Uh, It'd be fun to have him on. Yeah, well. definitely. Uh, you did mention Salem Kaiser is their their farm team, and that's exactly who the Seas have been facing this last week—a five-game series at home. Of course, they the teams in the other divisions they they do a longer series, so they don't have to go back and forth as many times, uh, save a few bucks. So the five-game series just wrapped up, and the Canadians did quite well. They went four and one, uh, only losing one game. The third one, uh, I believe it was. Or sorry, the fourth, the fourth one. one of the five-game series, the second uh, to last one. Well, the series looked like it was going to carry on exactly like the the away series did, where the Seas won the first three and then uh, couldn't couldn't finish it off. But right. they they managed to claw themselves back from a, a four-one deficit last night, mm-hmm. and, and 
I don't know when this is going to go out, so we'll say Thursday night for safety's sakes, <laughs> and and ended up winning whatever it was six four. And then of course there yep. was some there was some fireworks at the end. I know you want to talk about that. Yeah, it's just interesting that it happened. I guess it, it, it's funny that these five game series happen. I guess people get a little frustrated by the end of it. So that's probably one of the reasons why it occurred. Um, but you know, the the big game for me obviously was the Canada Day game, the, the sellout. Uh, they actually sold out the night before as well, um, and it was a fun experience going down there. And uh, Wazalewski pitched pretty well. Uh, you missed the first little bit of his start, but uh, you know he was consistently in the the low nineties, um, located well, and and you know didn't blow anybody away, which I don't think he's been doing um, since he's been here with the Canadians. But consistently getting outs, and he he sort of breezed through the first three four innings with without much of a problem. The the, the stuff that you missed was was pretty um, non-eventful in his innings, at least, his half innings. Yeah, I, I mean, looking at the, the start, and again, here's me looking at the box score, trying to read into it as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, he looked very good through four, didn't he? And then yep. just ran into a bit of problems, basically exactly when I showed up. He um, have stayed he, away. He ran into a few <laughs> a few difficulties, excuse me, um, and, and was taken out probably... A bit earlier than than he would have liked. We we talked about that on on the podcast when we had him on. You know, he wants to. You know, he's pitching to contact more this year. He's not. Yeah. He's not trying to. Not trying. Of course, people are trying to strike guys out, but you know, he's trying to go deeper into games, um, manage his pitch count more That's effectively, and and he couldn't get it done on the day. Um, but yeah, he's he's been good so far this year. I, I'm I'm looking forward to. The, the time I actually get to sit mm-hmm. down in behind home plate and and chart him and 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 see what sort of stuff he's got. He doesn't have the eye popping stuff, but as a lefty and and if he can be consistent and find the zone, I think if any fan base is going to realize it, it's probably the fan base that has Mark Burley on their starting rotation uh, to know that that type of guy works. And he th- he does. He throws harder than obviously Mark Burley does, but um, you don't need that overpowering fastball to to get outs at any level of baseball. Um, so to see him pitch the first four innings pretty consistently and pretty easily um, really bodes well um, for my first viewing of of Wazalewski. Well, and, and you mentioned Burley, but even you know closer to home and and close more relevant as far as last year. You know Shane Dawson was the mm. same way. You know a guy that just had a very deceptive delivery from the left side, changed speeds. You know not only with his off speed offerings, but his fastball as well. He never threw at the same speed. It was it was always moving around right. from. 88 through, you know, he could touch 93, 94. He wouldn't very often. Um, but similar idea, you know, just keeping hitters off balance as, as best he could. So, yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I can't, I'd like to say, you know, I really have no idea how this rotation is going to shake out for the rest of the season, if there's going to be promotions. I can't see any of the guys currently with the C's being demoted. Right. Um, but you know there has been even a bit more movement today um, within the Jays organization. Matt Boyd went up from Dunedin to to New Hampshire for a second time. Um, but just nobody in Lansing is kind of taking the ball and run with it to to move up to Dunedin themselves, which would there therefore free up a place for one of these seas pitchers. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see what happens going forward if 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 someone like you know Miguel Castro or or Wazalewski keeps throwing the ball pretty well and, and right. puts themselves in the conversation for a promotion. Well there will be at least one addition and that will be Max Pentecost who has signed officially Hoffman and Pentecost both signing with the Blue Jays this week since their last podcast. 
Uh, and and Pentecost, the holdup with him, I guess Anthopolis came out and said it's it's actually his passport. Uh, he's applied for it and he's waiting, but he can't make his way to Vancouver until he receives it. So it's sort of a waiting game. He's working out, you know, just waiting for his opportunity to come up here to Vancouver. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how, number one, how he hits, but number two, also how he learns this pitching staff and, and sort of breaks it all down because that, you know, it's who the, the pitchers throw to can also have a bit of an effect on, you know, if he calls a good game or not, that, that can have a major effect on this Vancouver Canadiens rotation. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that's going to be an issue at all. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, with with the youth of of the Seas pitching staff and, and, and Pentecost coming from, you know, he's... A junior, so 21. I don't have his page up in front of me, but I'm guessing he's around 21. Has that three years of college experience? Right. You know, at, one of the big things coming out of the draft was was the various reports saying that he should stick as a catcher. That his his athleticism, his you know, I think he got a bit mixed reports on his game management. But you're talking about a, a three year college player versus what the C's have now, you know, which is pretty raw. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think managing the pitching staff isn't going to be an issue. I think. For me, it's 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 how his bat plays, which I'm guessing is going to be pretty good. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then you know how long he stays. Is, is this going to be sort of a Stroman situation where he's only here for a few weeks, or do they want to kind of stick around for a while and see how he goes, and then and then go from there? Mm-hmm. Or you know, so basically, what I'm saying is, do they have a plan in place already, or are they going to play it by right. ear? And it's going to be more of a. a- almost like a Barreto type of situation where he's, he's not going to lead the team in home runs. He's going to be more of a gap-to-gap guy. You don't expect the big home run numbers specifically, <laughs> especially at the Nat. Um, but he, he, you know, he's not a guy that's going to be able to hit a, a ton of home runs. He might get a couple out. Well, um, considering the, the team leader in home runs also has the only three home runs right. on the team, um, <laughs> Ryan McBroom, he could very well lead the, yeah. lead the team in home runs before It's hard long. to get hung up on the home run number, though, with... with a stadium like this. Right? Well, no, and I, I, you know, we'll talk about it in a minute. I, I wrote an article last week uh, breaking down the C's hitting stats thus far, and I said exactly that. You mm-hmm. know, you can't, you can't sort of read too much into the fact that they're dead last in the league in home runs. I, <laughs> I know Rob Fay likes to mention on his broadcast quite a bit, but right. you know that's because you know most of the average fans probably equate offense to home runs, and you know the the C's offense thus far has been has been pretty good. It's just great. Simply that you know they're not going to hit a ton of home runs. That's not how they're going to generate runs. But runs count either way you do it. Well, how many times have they got double digit hits? You know, yeah. you can't count on your hand how many times they've done it so far. And the times I've seen them at the net, and it's it's sort of been a, a kill them with singles type of deal where you just the inning just keeps rolling and keeps rolling and keeps rolling, and these guys just keep finding gaps. And that's it really, I guess, that's how you have to manage the team, and that's what you have to tell your players to do. Because if you're swinging for the fences. At the night, it's not gonna not gonna go too well, and uh, you know it's not gonna show on the stat sheet that you have tons of home runs. But uh, as long as you're out hitting teams and winning the games when they come to your stadium, I I can't really have much of a, a big de- make a big deal about it. I guess no, you can't argue with with the results thus no. far. Um, and what we'll discuss, I think we're gonna we're gonna talk about one of the Giants' prospects with Connor, who again isn't a huge home run hitter, but led the Arizona League in slugging slugging percentage last year. You know, it's not home runs that, you know, see it's extra base hits. And, and right. last, last night, um, the key hit in the, the C's five-run eighth, which, you know, ended up winning the game for them, um, was Roman Fields clearing the bases with a triple. And, 
you know, I, I've never seen a triple like that in my life because it, it didn't go anywhere near a wall. It didn't, he <laughs> split the left fielder and the center fielder with, for any normal person would have been a, a double, but he is just that fast that mm-hmm. he turned it into a triple when he had no business whatsoever. He's speedy. Oh, oh my God. I, I don't know if I've ever <laughs> seen a guy that fast in my life. Wow. Um, and then he, he forces defenses to make mistakes. They, they overthrew it and it kind of the ball went into that funky little dugout area that the net has that's chalked off, which is automatically an extra base. And right. so he scored as well. Um, and that's, that's simply put, that's, that's how they're going to have to do it. Cause aside from McBroom, who's going to knock one out every now and then, and you know, maybe Calfis or, or, or Boomer, if, if they, they pick it up a bit. No, I, I think Brett will get the odd one here and there. You know, they're not going to hit a ton of home runs. Right. You, you can't really expect anything more. No. Um, well, let's let's get into that article that you had uh, about the advanced stats. So you dug a little deeper uh, into some of the numbers of these uh, Canadian hitters. Uh, it's on yourvanseas.com. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can check it out to get uh, some more detail of, of what the, the hitters have looked like so far this year for the season. Uh, what did you find? What was uh, what was kind of the, the thing that stood out to you the most after you crunched the numbers? Well, yeah, I mean, like, like we say, you know, they, uh, what did I say? They're third in the league in runs scored, um, which is, which is the end of the day, the, the whole idea of baseball is to right. score runs. Really? So, yeah, I know. <laughs> shocking shocking as, as it may sound. Um, you know, so the fact that they've only hit three, and I, I used last year's um, Park Factors, which is over on Minor League Central. Hang on, let me just click the link on my own uh, my own article. Yeah, minorleaguecentral.com um, uses Park Factors for the whole for the whole league, um, and you know they're dead last. The Nat is we're not kidding when we say come on every week and say it's a wasteland as far as home runs is concerned. Obviously, it's, you know there's been a few away players like like Christian Arroyo from SK Salem Kaiser came in this week and hit a couple. Um, it's tough to hit home runs in that park. And it's mm-hmm. even tough. I, well, I think where they rank um, as far as doubles, I've just got the, uh, the site up here. You know, you, you should see some more doubles just for the fact that they've got big alleys and a, and a lot of space. But um, the air is heavy as well. The sea level factor is the sea a level factor. So, it, it, you know, balls are going to die in the air. Um, so they were, they were second last as far as doubles are concerned as yeah. well. So it's, it's as far as extra base hits are concerned, it's tough. It's a tough environment. Um, they've played all, well, they've played about, pretty much I think exactly half of their games at home so far this year but not only that when you look at last year the the two parks that were the highest as far as um, home runs is in, and park factors are concerned is Everett and Spokane and tonight they're playing in Spokane that's their first game in, in either of those parks um, so not only have they played half their games at the worst park but they haven't played at the best parks either mm-hmm. and Everett I think I don't know how many people know this I, I haven't been there I'm only going by what I've heard has got a really funky sort of right field porch design, which is especially conducive to left-handed hitters. Um, not the C strength this year, no. but but last year <laughs> I think well, I'd have to look at all the numbers. But of, of LB Dancer's nine home runs, I think he hit like six in Everett or something. It was ridiculous. <laughs> um, and a little short porch, exactly. Um, so yeah, so I mean that was basically what what I found is that you know we can't. You can't measure them by home runs alone. Yes, they're mm-hmm. dead last with three. One, but then you know the next few teams around them got seven, eight. I think Boise's ridiculously out in front with twenty or something like that. So, yeah. um, well, let's keep an eye on on how they hit because right now, like you said, they're in Spokane for a three game set. Then they have a day off. 
and then they go to Everett for a three-game set. So if you keep an eye on how they hit this these two series, it might give you a better indication or might skew you in the other direction of, you know, if they hit a couple in that short porch of um, what these hitters are all about. Uh, and that's why it's so hard to, to get a true read in this league. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to hit a ton of home runs even on this trip, even though they're going to the two parks, which give them up the most. Um, like I said, I, I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, and I should know since I go watch them all the time. But I, they don't have a, a, a hugely powerful left-handed bat, um, which would play well in Everett. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how they do. We'll see how they go with just simple things like doubles and, and, and how many runs they score. Um, they're not doing particularly well tonight. No, I just clicked on the uh, the score update here, and it's and ten to three. Yeah, so after making up two games, I think. Um, well, no, sorry, even they lost the other night. Spokane lost, um, which kept them at three, and then the big comeback win last night gained the game. Um, Spokane lost their final two games of the series against Eugene. Um, kind of put them into a good position going into this this series, and. Unfortunately, uh, it looks like they're going to lose game one and, mm-hmm. and their pitchers are getting knocked around a bit. But um, funnily enough, I, I, I put an article out on the VancouverSun.com today, forward slash Canadians, which will be out on yourvanseas.com tomorrow. I had a chat with C's pitching coach Jeff Ware just about, you know, odds and ends, trying to, uh, trying to get as much, much in as I can. Mm-hmm. And and also John Schneider, the manager, and neither of them would give me an update on on Alberto Torado as as far as his injury is concerned. And and here you go, he's, he's coming two point two innings so far tonight. And so thanks guys for uh, for um, not telling me <laughs> shit. Um, oh no, yeah, much appreciated. Just a simple yeah, he's going to pitch in a couple of nights. Yeah, thanks guys. That's yeah. hey, you if you've learned anything is in this industry that uh, information is. Well, no, Not the easiest thing, the thing to get I out of I haven't learned anything because I'm, <laughs> I'm a poorly paid and blogger. I, I am happy to announce that I, I do have finally have my credentials. So yes. I will be down as a reporter at the next few games once I get back from my trip now. Yeah, of course um, you're, um, so. you're with them to mall trip. So I might actually... <laughs> Might actually make my debut around the same time the Max Pentecost makes his debut. I don't know. I might be a little before that. But, yeah, well, uh, it's curious because, again, John, um, that same telephone conversation I had with them both, John said, oh, yeah, I don't know when he's played last, you know, so it could be a couple of weeks. Yeah, well, no, John, we all know that they made it to the regionals, right. you know, and, and finished just after the draft. He probably just wasn't sure. Maybe, <laughs> or maybe he's dicking me around. I don't know. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, Shai Davidi tweeted out that he could be in town as early as next week, which obviously this was a couple of days ago. So mm-hmm. whether that means he's going to join up with the squad in either Spokane or Everett and then hope against hope that his passport arrives. Technically, and, he could play on those Yeah, exactly. He could. Yeah. And then and then hope his paperwork arrives in time. So I, I can't see why they wouldn't do that. You know, there's no point having him sit around in Florida taking BP. So. Mm-hmm. I, I do expect him to, to arrive in Spokane or Everett imminently, mm-hmm. unless, of course, there are issues with the passport that yeah. we don't know about. There actually have been two home runs hit in this game against Spokane. Their big third baseman, Jose Trevino, has two of them. He has five on the season now, and four of them were hit at home. <laughs> so that yeah. should tell you enough about the, the park factor, like you said. Lots of home runs being hit in Spokane and Everett, and Maybe we'll see the the seas get a hold of one in this series. It's only the first game of the the six games on the road, so can't read too much into it. Yeah, and and, and Justin Schaefer went tonight and and didn't throw particularly mm-hmm. well. And then his usual piggybacking partner Daniel uh, Lietz was actually uh, 
I'll use demoted for a lack of a better term, but you know, at this level, demotion, promotion, whatever, <laughs> um, was sent back down to Bluefield, which is odd because he'd, he'd thrown really well um, in his C's appearances. So it looks like Mark uh, Biggs um, came in after him. And then, of course, now Toronto's in, which is interesting. Uh, maybe they're just piggybacking him to you know, to protect that arm, which was, it was dead arm fatigue, whatever you want to call it, right. that, that kept him out for a few, for a few starts. So easing him back in, um, created a bit of roster space with Liet's going down. Um, so tomorrow should be Castro. Hopefully we see a, a typical Castro performance. Yep. And then Wazi, I would guess on, 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 uh, what day are we now? Sunday. So Yeah. Just one game. We got two two very good starters coming up. On Spokane's deck, a good so. team too. They're, yeah, I'd say they're fifteen I mean, and six. Yeah, they're, they're, they're for real. So if if they win this first half, I don't be surprised what the seas have to do. And I mentioned this on a tweet last night. You know, games like last night where they where they come back to win it in in the eighth are are crucial because if if Spokane could very well go on to win the second half as well. So you need to worry about. Um, you know, with the best overall record for that second playoff position, and every game is gonna gonna help. All right. Well, was there anything else you wanted to touch on, or we should we Let's get into the, the interviews? Well, did, did Did you want to talk about? It? Well, no. It was it was just funny. There was the first uh, my first experience of a, of a almost minor league brawl oh, really? last night. It was uh, it was very interesting, and I'll I'll bring it up with 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 Connor later, but. Yeah, we'll get the Salem Kaiser opinion on the fight. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you knew if 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 you knew about it, but yeah, Salem Kaiser and, and Vancouver, like you said, five game series. You, you must build up a bit of animosity over over the course of the series. And, yeah, and this one, I'd, I wish I could I could quickly crunch the numbers, but there was quite a few HBPs throughout the entire series. So I think it was getting a bit. I think it was five in in the one game. Well, the one game, yeah. that, and I think Tim LaCastro, I, I thought I heard Rob Fay mention on the radio last night. Or, or maybe in the email he sends after the game, um, he got hit six times in the series, something like that. It was Jeez. so he got hit in the bottom of the eighth. Um, Brett Barber, the C's closer, came in the ninth, promptly hit the leadoff guy. Um, the umpire had worn both benches, so Barber was immediately ejected. Schneider wasn't, but he ensured he was about five <laughs> minutes later after berating the umpire um, for a full five minutes. We'll get into more detail though. Yeah, once we. Once we get into the other interviews, so. yeah, we'll do it. Then. It was a fun night at the park, and then they had a diamond dig. That was the other. Yeah, I took <laughs> off before that. I saw all the pictures on Twitter, though. It looked like fun. Yeah, I don't know what that was all about, but uh, good, a good promotion, I guess. Yeah, apparently, it was the diamonds were buried in the dirt during the game. Yeah, uh, what if you're sliding to second? Oh, there's a diamond ring stuck in my arm. Well, so. no, because we we were saying that <laughs> when we were there, because the, what why the bench is cleared eventually, and uh, like you said, we'll go into it. Was the um, the guy that got plunked by Brett Barber went in very hard on Barreto at second on the fielder's choice, mm-hmm. and yeah, he went in so hard. You think he he could have dug up a couple How of diamonds? Deep were they buried? And people come with? Did they come with shovels ready to go or? I wish I could tell you. Barehanded? I, I was out. It was get, it was getting late. I'd, I'd already played hockey and hadn't had dinner. It was about 20 past 10, so I bolted. Uh, but I, I wish I'd seen it. I, the pictures on Twitter looked really funny. Yeah. Well, let's get into the uh, the interviews here just before we go too long. We don't want to run too long on this podcast. Uh, we keep saying we want to keep it short, but we end up having way too much content. Yeah. We have to make it a, a two times a week podcast. Well, no, Maybe you're, you're away for a while, so we can, <laughs> we can do a long one this time, can we? That's true. And now we're happy to bring on a guest here for the Your Van Seas Weekly Podcast. We're going to have uh, 
first time he's been on this show. It's uh, Ian Hunter of BlueJayHunter.com. How you doing, Ian? I'm very well. How are you? Good. I'm, I'm glad we could get you on here. Um, we go way back, but uh, not quite on this podcast, but uh, I have had you on as a guest on previous podcasts before, so I was uh, very eager to bring you on to this one to get your thoughts on the Blue Jays. Yeah, I mean, it's been a couple years, but, uh, you know, we had a good time talking on uh, on the old podcast, so we'll uh, pick things up again. <laughs> All right, well, uh, one of the main reasons I wanted to bring you on is because I was, you know, browsing Twitter like I normally do, and I see your face all over on everybody's tweets uh, with this whole Connect with the Toronto Blue Jays night that they held. Uh, and I'm not quite sure how it all came about or even what, what, what it was about, but they had a few of ex-Blue Jays there, and uh, it was a looked like a pretty fun experience for everybody that was involved. So why don't you kind of just let us know how, how did it happen and why did they choose you? Sure. Uh, well, I guess the past few years, the uh, the Blue Jays, they've been doing uh, this promotion for their Tuesday home games called Tweeting Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like their social media night where they would do uh, giveaways uh, through people at the ballpark and they would encourage people to use uh, hashtags and whatnot. And um, so this year they decided they were kind of going to revamp things and just kind of focus in rather than have it uh, a lot of games. They were only going to have two uh, connect with the Jays nights. Uh, Mm. One this past, uh, just a few weeks ago, and then another one coming up in August. Um, So what they did is they reached out to a bunch of people Tweeters and bloggers, um, myself, uh, April Weitzman, who I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with, mm-hmm. Ali Cat, uh, Andrew Hendricks of uh, Canadian Baseball Network, and Matthew Hartley, who mm-hmm. uh, is a writer with the National Post, and he also tweets about the Blue Jays a lot. Mm-hmm. So uh, they kind of reached out to us, and they asked us to come down uh, to the Rogers Center in March, I believe, and just kind of offer some suggestions as to what... Um, kind of giveaways they could do and kind of things that the Blue Jays could be doing differently this year. Hmm. Um, not just necessarily for the giveaway nights, but also in general. Um, I guess maybe one complaint about the Blue Jays' kind of Twitter persona over the past few years is they've kind of been a little, um, I, don't, I don't know how you would put it, very uh, just, you know, concrete, like not show very much emotion. Not personal so. at all. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, you know, we made some suggestions and we met with them for about, you know, an hour or two. And then um, they uh, had us down to the ballpark uh, a few weeks ago uh, just to basically, you know, say thanks for all your suggestions. And, um, and we we uh, got to see batting practice. They mm-hmm. had us in a suite. We, uh, probably the best part was... Uh, like you mentioned, they had a few former Blue Jays uh, take over their Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesse Barf- Barfield being one of them, Kelly Gruber the other, and um, just talking to Jesse Barfield, like just being able to pick his brain and talk to him about the uh, you know the good old uh, Jays of the mid '80s and the early '90s and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, it was it was a really cool experience overall. Yeah, those guys are a little before my time, maybe closer to Charlie's time. Ah. <laughs> Sorry to throw you under the bus, Charlie. Thanks, straight away. <laughs> um, yes, I remember Jesse Barfield very well. <laughs> well, I, I remember hearing stories about him as well. I grew up in a Blue Jays family, so of course I heard plenty of stories about him. And one of the interesting things we noticed 
a couple people noticed on Twitter is when you when you met Jesse Barfield, you took a picture of his ring. He has a, a championship home run king ring, I guess you can say. Um, and, and for some reason, it had 46 home runs inscribed on the side of it. Uh, and if you look down at his stat line, he led the league with 40 home runs. So I'm not sure. You never did find an answer to why that was, did you? No, well, I was trying to look back and trying to find a secondary photo, and I did manage to find another one that someone had sent. I think it was just the angle that I took it at, or maybe there was something on the ring that made it look like 46, but it was the, the, the this other photo I looked at, it did say 40, because otherwise that really wouldn't make much sense, would it? Well, yeah, I looked at it from a few angles, and it looked... For sure, like it said, 46, but I don't know. I guess it's not a big deal. If he wants to inflate his own ego, then... Uh... It, it also means I probably need a new phone to take with a better camera. Uh, it's better than uh, the old Blackberries when they first came out. But, uh... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, well, um, I guess... What, what about the, the getting back to the social media kind of aspect of why they brought you in for the suggestions? Uh, you know, seeing as we're all huge social media you know, experts here... Having a discussion, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, what were the things that they kind of asked you? Because there is sort of a fine line. If you look at the the L.A. Kings, uh, you know, Twitter account, for example, they're very open and very. Uh, you know, they trash talk other teams basically on a daily basis. Um, is that the kind of stuff that they brought up? Like, where is the line, and what what kind of stuff they should talk about? That that was actually that, and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, were two prime examples that were brought up mm-hmm. multiple times. Um, I mean, those are kind of the gold standard of, of team uh, social media accounts mm-hmm. in professional sports because whenever you think of uh, social media, it immediately goes to the, for me at least, it goes to those two teams. Those, yeah. are, those are the two teams that do it right. Um, and obviously it's really hard to duplicate that and... Mm-hmm. Um, Unless you're, you've got a unique personality, it's kind of hard to um, make that really make it organic and make mm-hmm. it believable. So, um, I mean, I didn't suggest to go out and be the Los Angeles Kings or be the Los Angeles Dodgers because obviously that's not possible. Mm-hmm. But just to kind of, we, could, we just mentioned a few things, you know, you can kind of loosen up with the, with the mentions and things like that. Yeah. And maybe, and, uh, and I, I believe Matt. Hartley mentioned this is don't be afraid to chirp other teams because um, a lot of times you know teams will just go out there and promote their games and right. say you know these guys are coming up but there there are a few accounts that will actually go out there and and chirp other teams and when things like that happen I don't know about you guys but for me that's that's one of the fun things yeah. about Twitter is watching like teammates or uh, opponents just go after each other on social media. <laughs> now, you're not in the business of being nice. You're there for entertainment, basically, is is the reason why mostly everybody's on Twitter. And it's okay to have, uh, you know, a, a feud as long as it's, um, you know, you keep it clean, I guess you could say. But, you know, it's okay to, to be a little loose and, and have some conversations, at least, with the other teams and, and poke a little bit of fun every now and then. Yeah, so we we definitely encouraged uh, or suggested the Blue Jays um, not be afraid to do that. I mean, not mm-hmm. to just go out and chirp the official Detroit Tigers account when when they go into a series for no reason. But I mean, if they've got a good joke or mm-hmm. you know there's something pertinent that's happened right. um, in in the news lately, to go ahead and, and do that because 
I mean, overall, I think it just makes it fun mm. for everybody when when you when you loosen it up like that. Got to be careful though, because then there's the other other end of the scale, and you look at the MLB official account, and that's just just plain bad sometimes. <laughs> the stuff that they send out there. Yeah, there was. Um, I, I think it was a few weeks ago. I can't remember who pointed it out to me or not, but they they sent out a tweet about something saying that you know this could be the most exciting series of the, of the weekend for the Blue Jays <laughs> or not. Like it was a very <laughs> indecisive tweet and yeah. it didn't make sense what i could see what they were trying to do they were yeah. trying to hype up the series but at the same time when they added the or not <laughs> it just kind of um discounted the entire thing yeah it's a, it's a tough job you got to give them at least a little bit of credit they're trying to be funny and, and personal but uh, sometimes it just fails i guess <laughs> yeah i mean like anything um it's sometimes you only hear about about it when it, when it goes bad and some t- and very few times you hear about it when it goes when it goes well so mm-hmm. you know i think they want the blue jays want to uh overall they want to make a lot of people happy but they also don't want to ruffle feathers at the right. same time it's easy to ruffle feathers when you're the la kings and you're winning stanley cups every two years so. <laughs> not quite oh, with yeah, the blue jays. absolutely i mean if you if you can back it up i mean then you can get away with claims like that but if you're <laughs> Going on a twenty-year uh, playoff drought, you—it's uh, kind of—it's a lot tougher to pull off stuff yeah. like that. All right, well, let's uh, get into the actual Blue Jays discussion about the the team, and it's a little frustrating to talk about them right now because they're in a bit of a slump. It's the the first time with a loss today. Uh, I thought this game was actually going to keep going and and you know <laughs> go into this interview if it went any longer, but it was a long game with a, a poor ending for the Blue Jays today. Um, they now are, they're now out of first place for the first time in about a month and a half, well, maybe a little bit longer. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just been a frustrating stretch for the Jays. I don't know what uh, what exactly is wrong with them. It's uh, At first I thought it was the starting pitching, but actually they've it's been surprisingly adequate the past um, month and a half. I mean, uh, R.A. Dickey's been getting a lot of flack because he hasn't really been going deep into games, but um, his last start, he was, aside from the four runs, he was actually okay. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I think it's just the offense, and um, this team is definitely starting to show uh, a lot of holes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, injuries are taking their toll. Brett Laurie's going to be out for you know, another month or so, but mm-hmm. uh, that's not a problem that's unique to the Blue Jays. Every team in the AL East is dealing with injuries right, right. now. Um, so that's that's not really an excuse they can use. It's just um, the revolving door of, of call-ups has, uh, has started. It's like every two days they're, they're bringing up somebody from Buffalo and, mm-hmm. and sending somebody back down. So I think that's uh, maybe part of the problem there. Well, the the five to nine in the lineup today was pretty pitiful. I guess when you have Lind Rasmus out of the lineup and you know Laurie out with the injury, it's it's pretty weak. You know, it's really testing the depth of this team. And you look at Mastriani and Glenn that have come in uh, since the Pilar incident. I guess as we'll call it, uh, they've been two for thirty four to combine, oh fifty nine batting average since they've come up. It's just it's not acceptable. You know, it's it's hard to expect a lot from players coming up from AAA, but you have to expect a little bit more than that. 
Yeah, uh, Jeff Blair mentioned that on his on uh, Baseball Central earlier today. He said, uh, if you're a 24th or 25, 25th guy in a roster, you you should be expected to play fundamentals. You should be able to get the bunt down. You know, you should you're you you can't make base running blunders like Josh Tolley did the other night. So um, it, it's odd because if you go back like maybe four or five weeks ago, the the bench was doing really well. I mean, Kevin Pillar was you know performing. Mm-hmm. Anthony Ghost was stealing lots of bases. He was getting bunts down and. Everybody was just clicking, and then all of a sudden, it's just like the bench is just suddenly not very good, and they're not they're not performing very well. And then, plus, when you add in injuries, now these bench guys are being you know turned into everyday players. Like you know, Munenori Kawasaki, God love him. He's you know he's a fun guy, but he is not, and every he should not be. No. An everyday player, yeah. and especially on a a contending team. Mm-hmm. So I that again, that's that's a huge problem for me. I mean, Munori Kawasaki, he can draw a walk. Um, you know, he can get a bunt down, but he sh- should be playing every day for the Blue Jays. Are you a Kawasaki fan, Charlie? Are you? What are you? <laughs> no, I'm I'm with Ian on this. I mean, he's he's not a he's not a very good defender. Um, although he made a very nice play today in the, mm-hmm. in the twelfth inning or whatever it was, um, and he has some very good at bats. I think I tweeted out um, what was it the seventh or eighth inning he had a, he had an excellent at bat where he waited back on a curveball after fouling off a couple of fastballs. But mm-hmm. yeah, he shouldn't be. I mean, this and we talked about this in in the off season when Ryan Goins was anointed as the second <laughs> baseman. You know, you know, you knew that wasn't going to last because his minor league numbers. There was no back history to 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 see him as a as a successful right. major league player. So with with the injuries, you know, you're looking like Ian has said, the twenty five Mad Master is is from almost eighteen, nineteen through twenty five now. It looks really, really thin and it's depressing because there's <laughs> there's nothing there. I mean, I'm surprised Ghost was sent down. Mm-hmm. Um I think he provides a bit more than Mastriani and, and Glenn, but and I don't know about this whole, we want to get the right-hander some action. We've got some left-handers, you know, we're facing some left-handed pitching. I'd, yeah. I'd, I mean, I think Ghost provides a bit more defensively and at the end of a ball game than having to wade through Glenn and Mastriani's crap throughout the whole game, you know? <laughs> well, who's to blame for that? You know, the whole Pilar situation where it was a punishment they sent him down. Uh, is it, at one point, do you accept you know, the the poor results over sending a message? Do you have to set him up eventually because this can't last too much longer. They're already dropping out of first place. Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate. And the whole the Kevin Pillar thing, I don't know if he was sent down strictly because of his uh his tantrum, but Well he wasn't performing uh, poorly. <laughs> no. Well He wasn't I mean, great either though. I mean it's not like he was lighting the world on hmm. fire when he was up, so yeah. No, I mean it definitely didn't help and the ghost thing it was it was a little perplexing because you know here you go you've got this guy who could be a uh, a late game uh, defensive replacement mm-hmm. and also because you know now Kobe Rasmus is kind of sort of day to day with 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 some injuries and you also need some speed there and and a left-handed bat late so it's um it really it's been a just overall with Anthony Ghost it's kind of been a saga these past few years like he's supposed to be the heir apparent in center field mm-hmm. and he hasn't 
really quite grabbed the reins and uh, and taken the job like the I think the Blue Jays have hoped he has. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, maybe they're just sending him down to you know get a little more some everyday bats down in Buffalo and just get some more experience. Who knows? Well, there have been, I've heard some reports that the, the Jays organization isn't quite as high on ghosts as they, they once were, at least after seeing them for a couple of years now. Um, and maybe that might lead to possibly attempting to, to bring Rasmus back for even longer if they don't expect ghosts to be ready. Um, but now as we as we get closer to the trade deadline and we see these holes in the lineup and you know some of these holes have been there since game one at the start of the year, but there really isn't that that need. I guess I I don't feel it like there's that need for a starting pitcher anymore now that Stroman's up and he's probably been the best starter for the Blue Jays since he's come up as a starter. And now it seems to be second base is the main concern for most Jays fans. What, what do you see the Jays doing, and and do you see them going after anybody in particular as we get closer to the deadline? Yeah, yeah, it's strange because um, you know up until maybe. Even a few days ago, number one priority for the Blue Jays, you know, starting pitching, starting pitching, yep. <laughs> starting pitching. But uh, I, I tweeted out um, a, an article by Dallas Steed, and, uh, you know, his, uh, basically what he said was that, you know, the Blue Jays could be doing a lot worse for starting pitching. And with the guys they have right now and with um, the options out there, like uh, mid-tier starters like Jason Hamill and Jeff Samarja, yeah. And even Brandon McCarthy, I mean, if you bring guys in like that, you know, they're number three, four, five starters. So, yeah. not unless you go out and get David Price, um, I don't think it's going to improve the starting rotation all that much. Now, the past few weeks, the offense has been sputtering, so it's almost like they should focus their attention on either a second baseman or a third baseman or you know, a left-handed bat or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, personally, I think it's, it is odd because uh, almost all year long, everyone's been saying, Alex, you've got to get a starting pitcher. <laughs> you, need, you need to get a bona fide ace. But yeah. all of a sudden, last week, with all these developments and Lori going down to injury as well, um, Suddenly, the focus is now on on an infielder. So I I think they'd probably be better off going and get a bat. And um, I, you know I can't think of uh, a lot of a lot of guys. I think Aaron Hill has kind of been a name that has been shopped around, yeah. and uh, Martin Prado and and Ben Zobrist are probably the three guys that um, they could look at bringing in. I I mean any of them would be an improvement yeah. over. <laughs> You know, Steve Tallis and Nori Kawasaki. So, um, yeah. if, if, so long as the, uh, they can get those guys without dealing away top prospects, then I'm all for it. Yeah, Just, a, sorry if, okay. if I can interject for one second. Um, there's a lot of reports on Twitter right now, actually, um, including Kenny Ken Rosenthal, that both Hamill and Samardija, did I say that right, Greg? I think Samardija. Whatever. Um, <laughs> are on their way to Oakland. It's a done deal. Oh wow! So maybe we can finally put that to bed. Jeez, that's that's there are tough. no Stroman and Sanchez to uh, to Chicago. So apparently, uh, Oakland will be able to come up with a package of, of minor league prospects to uh, to Chicago for both Hamill and I'll call him the Shark since I can say that. Hmm. Yeah, Keith Lodge just tweeted it's official. Yeah, Samarja and Hamill. There you on go on their way to Oakland. So, so finally, Blue Jays fans, let's put this mother. <laughs> 
effer to bed. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I, no sorry. more reports. Of no more reports Jays of giving up Dan them. Norris, Dalton Pompey, and everybody else in the farm for the shark. Well, and, it goes along with what we were saying. Like maybe Anthopolis sees it now as starting pitching is not the the main concern. He's not willing to part with as much. So then, you know, Oakland's going to go out, or uh, sorry, the Cubs are going to go elsewhere for a deal. Well, I think uh, you know the Blue Jays have a very nice system. I mean, I cover it extensively. Uh, I love the guys there, but there are teams with much better systems, and I think a lot of people said that eloquently. Mm-hmm all this time that if other teams wanted to stump up for someone like the Shark or Hamill, you know, like Baltimore, they had prospects in the higher minor leagues that are more major league ready, whereas the Blue Jays, as we well know, having to watch the tripe that we're watching from six through nine in the order, (laughs) don't really have guys, you know, obviously Sanchez is in Buffalo right now and, and Dan Norris is probably very close to major league ready, but, you know, there are other teams with, with far more, prospects that are are knocking on the door so Mm -hmm. you know like Ian has said you know hopefully we can now pick up focus on a second baseman or a third baseman that doesn't cost a lot Mm -hmm. and is kind of in that rental situation that Anthopolis has been hinting at all along. Well it's kind of funny I was watching the game today and they had that they actually did talk about how Steve's article about how pitching is is doing quite well this year the starting rotation is actually plugging along and then they brought up a graphic with uh, the prospects that we have. And uh, it's uh, the future rotation, I think, is what they called it. And it was Norris, uh, Sanchez, uh, Stroman, and uh, Hutchinson. There's four. There's, there's the four that are under 24 years old, and they're going to carry us for the rest of the, the next decade of Blue Jays baseball. It's just amazing how quickly it went from we have no pitchers to we're set for the next decade with these guys. I don't know how that works. Well, I think... <laughs> They're high-end prospects, you know. Mm-hmm. Prospects. Well, why are they just realizing this now? They should. Have <laughs> You're trusting Buck freaking Martinez, <laughs> you know. Um, well, he's reading Tower of Steve, so he, obviously he's very knowledgeable. I, on the I think he read the headline. That was all he got through. <laughs> um, well, what I guess if if they are gonna make a trade, and if they are so good at starting pitching, and there's a guy like Zolbrist available. Would you be willing to part with with a Sanchez, with an Aaron Sanchez, to get a player like that for right now? Me, no. I'll let Ian answer. Um, well, for because I I want to say that Zobris is under contract for next year as well. Um, Anthopoulos loves his controllable assets. And I'll check that while you're answering. Ian. Yes, he does. I yeah, for Sanchez, I would say no, just because. Um, the way they've tethered him the last few weeks, it sounds like he could be up here sooner rather than later. Um, so it's, I don't know. I, I, I might go, I may go and send somebody like Norris to get Zobrist if uh-huh. if you can get that deal done and maybe throw in some cash. Well, but, Charlie's the biggest Norris supporter, I think. Yeah, in, I'm, uh, I'm a massive Norris <laughs> fan, so yeah. I don't I'm know not if he'd the be one to ask to. that. Yeah, yeah, I'd give him Matt Smorl. <laughs> I don't know if he's uh, <laughs> going to get you as much as uh, as Norris would, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. And if Sanchez does come up, who who drops out of the rotation? It's really you know you don't take Hap out now. He's on a roll. Strowman is best pitcher in the last. Well, I think month. what what they're saying about Sanchez, and and I'd feel a lot more comfortable if Sean Nolan was was healthy right now and pitching well as well. Um, but I think Hutchison and Strowman are just going to need to be spelled out. They're going to need to be rested here and there as as they hit their hmm. innings limits. 
like that graphic said today, Hutchinson's only 23, and he's coming off what whatever it was, eight, a year and a half out. So yeah. we can't expect him to take the ball every five days, and, and Stroman will hit his innings limit um, sooner or later as well. So hmm. I think Sanchez, maybe he'll come in to, to shore up the bullpen initially and then with a spot start here and there, but if that happens, that's the best news we could have all year. Obviously the best news would be the playoffs, but... <laughs> Well, as uh, Ian likes to call him, the silent assassin, Anthopolis, he, he'll make a trade when you least expect it. So be on your toes all the time, if, and something might happen <laughs> leading up yeah, to this day. Maybe there'll be a, a trade within the next hour or two for <laughs> Alex to go and get uh, Jeff Samarja from the A's and bring him to the Jays. <laughs> he can never be too sure. Yeah. Uh, you had an article recently that you just uh, you just blogged the other day about Batista, uh, and it was quite interesting about his, his change in attitude, and it really has shown uh, throughout this year about how you know how he's, he's a really different player. He's not arguing with the umpires as much. He's he's being a lot more vocal, I guess, publicly that we've seen from him. I know he's always been a, a bit of a leader in the room, but now um, your article touched on a lot of points about how he he's been a different player this year, and it's really shown that he's he's more of a team guy and he's more a complete hitter as well. Um, yeah, I, I just I thought it was a really good article about uh, pretty much breaking everything down that we've seen from Batista this year, and it's been a, a pretty big turnaround. Yeah, thanks. Well, um, I mean, it, it's sort of it's it's been happening all year long. I think I just kind of everything kind of came together, and mm. I was like, wow, there's there's definitely been a change in him. I mean, not as a player per se, because he's still you know the same power hitter, right. but. He's. It seems like he's been a more well-rounded uh, baseball player this year, and I don't know if it has anything to do with Kevin Seitzer, but he's um, he's going opposite field a lot more. Um, the one thing I touched on is, you know, he, although it led to him uh, getting injured, I mean, he laid down a bunt a couple <laughs> weeks ago. I mean, this, this guy hit 54 home runs one season, yeah. and he's laying down a bunt. And it's, it just, to me, it speaks to somebody who's being a very unselfish player. He's doing mm-hmm. something that's for the greater good of the team. And you touched on the umpires thing. He's, he seemingly dropped that. I, I haven't seen him argue with an umpire once, uh, this year. Um, so I, I don't know what happened. I think maybe last year after the culmination of a, a couple of really frustrating seasons, I think maybe Jose just said, you know what? I'm obviously there's this seems like a team that doesn't really have a leader that's a guy that stepped up mm-hmm. and maybe he just said to himself okay you know what I'm going to change things this year I'm going to be obviously there's a lot of young players on this team so I need to be a positive role right. model and um he just said I'm going to play the game the right way and I want everyone to kind of follow me and hopefully uh things uh fall into place mm-hmm. and so far it's been it's worked. I mean, he's been, you know, one of the best players in the American League this year. And mm. if he continues on this way, I think, he, you know, he's seriously in the MVP consideration. And read into it all you want, but there have always been reports of this so-called rift in the Blue Jays' d- or dressing room between the, the Latino players and the non-Latino players. And I, I don't really buy into that, but I do think it's a big deal for him, uh, Batista, 
because he he's one of the guys that can actually speak both English and Spanish very fluently. He's both he's great in both languages, which you can't really say for a guy like Jose Reyes or Edwin Encarnacion. They get by, but they're not quite the same. So having a guy like that as sort of a, a liaison between the two sides, I guess if you want to see it like that, uh, is kind of a big deal though. Because if you want to bring the team together, you want to make sure everybody's on the same page. And maybe Jose just finally realized that, that he he's the guy. He's one of the older guys on the team, and he, he has to be the one to not only lead by example, but also um, do the little things, like make sure everybody's on the same page. Yeah, I mean, definitely last year it, it seemed like the uh, the Dominican players, they kind of really, you know, got together. It, at, at times it seemed very clicky, mm-hmm. like they were just doing their own little thing and and the rest of the team were on their own, but... I mean, there there have been shots of Bautista. He's been talking to Brett Laurie, and he's been trying to talk to Drew Hutchison as well. And, mm-hmm. and but he also hangs out with Milky and and Edwin and all that. So he, uh, yeah, he really is kind of the uh, the go to on the team. It seems like right now. Mm-hmm. And if it really matters in the long run, I guess that's up in the air. As long as you get the job done and you, you do your job. Uh, I think that's all that most fans are are wanting, and um, Batista's certainly done. He's he's pleased both crowds, I think, with his attitude and with his performance this year. Yeah, for sure, and I think uh, the umpires are uh, a lot happier this year <laughs> that they don't have to deal with him barking back. That's as well. right. Do you have any issues with Batista? He's the captain of the in the home run derby. Uh, he's competed in one before, maybe two before. I can't quite remember. Um, but a lot of guys won't even touch the home run derby anymore after seeing some drop off in performance after the home run derby, which I don't, I don't understand at all. I, I don't buy that excuse. Um, but do you have a problem with Batista participating in the home run derby? Uh, no, I mean, as long as he's healthy, um, I don't have any issue with it at all. Um, I, I think there's, you know, there's a possibility that he might just captain it and not participate mm-hmm. in it. If he, if, um, is uh, if his injury is still nagging him in a, in a couple weeks, and if I'm a player, I can kind of see I why they wouldn't want to participate. Apparently, you know Nelson Cruz has said no. Um, Edwin Encarnacion, there's rumors that he's asked him, and he doesn't want to do it either. Mm, that's a shame. Um, so if I'm a player and uh, I'm in contention, like the Orioles are and the Blue Jays are right now, I'm probably thinking, you know, maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't be taking 30 swings on a game that doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> uh, or it's not even a game. It's just a home run derby. Right. So what does it really count for? So if I'm those guys, I, I really don't blame them if they don't want to participate. But as a fan, you, you, you'd want to see Edwin Encarnacion just mash home runs at the home run derby, wouldn't you? Yeah, oh, <laughs> of course. And I think, especially for the Blue Jays, I think it's, for Bautista and Encarnacion, it's, it's validation, right? Because playing for the Blue Jays, playing in Canada, I think it's, you know, there's, there's somewhat of a stigma, and um, maybe they don't get the... Uh, the, the press that they would otherwise if they played in, you know, Baltimore or New York. So um, playing uh, at the All-Star game with everyone watching, I think that's definitely something that, that interests them and, uh, you know, making them an elite-level talent and, and winning the Home Run Derby would uh, certainly elevate those guys uh, to those 
to that status. <laughs> yeah, my biggest Blue Jays at the All-Star Game memory, I think Batista made a sliding catch in right field one year, and Troy Gloss played first base. I think that's all I can remember. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think everyone kind of took a, a deep breath when he was sliding into the wall. Yeah. And everyone thought he had injured himself, but he was okay, thank God. It'd be nice if he had some new memories. Yeah, well, I think he, I, I want to say he hit the eventual game-winning run last year, and then really? also that Steve Delabar and uh, Brett Cecil yeah. uh, struck guys out last year. So, I mean, they're small memories, but at least they <laughs> they made appearances. Oh well, we'll see. We'll see who even gets named to the team. I'm not too hung up on the All Star Game rosters, but uh, it'd be nice to see the Jays well represented once again. Yeah, I, th- I think for sure you'll see. I mean, Bautista is going to be there for sure. Um, Edwin, if he doesn't get voted in, he'll he'll be there through the coach's vote. Was um, he on the ballot? I don't know. I heard he wasn't even on the ballot. He's he's on there as a DH, oh, okay. um, but he's down there at like number three or four. I think was the last update. Um, and then Melky probably will be there, and then Mark Burley, and I think that's probably all you're going to see. Well, it's good enough for me. I don't need guys getting injured at the All-Star game. You can come back healthy and take a nice couple days off. <laughs> it's almost worth it just as much. But. I'd be surprised if Burley goes, actually. He hasn't thrown. Eh. He'll go. He's the first guy to 10 wins, I think. Yeah, yeah but he hasn't had one since. Uh, if we're talking about wins. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm pop my eyes it's a whole other podcast. Uh, we'll get into the wins in a... <laughs> Yeah, it'd be interesting to see who who goes. I mean, obviously, there's some guys that are very deserving. Um, what is it? Is it coming up? It's I don't know. Ian, do you know when the All Star Game is? Um, it's it's uh, not next week, but the uh, following week. It's I either keep, Tuesday or Wednesday, I think. Yeah, I keep seeing the ads on Sportsnet. Week of the fifteenth. The 16th? major metropolis that is Minnesota. I mean, come on. <laughs> I know it's you're nice trying. I know ballpark. you're trying to sell this game, but really. Hey, when the Jays finally get grass on the infield, then they'll get their, their next All-Star game. That'll be it. <laughs> well, thanks, Ian, for, for coming on and doing this. Uh, you can find Ian online. His website is bluejayhunter.com. And, of course, on Twitter, for all his updates, at bluejayhunter is his Twitter handle. I highly recommend giving him a look because he... Well, it's a perfect mixture of content and humor, Ian. I think that's that's the perfect way to describe your feed. Oh, well, thank you very much, Greg, and your, uh, your checks with me all for that endorsement. <laughs> and congratulations on the new the new baby as well, the new Blue Jays fan that you brought into the world. So congrats on that. Yes, thank you very much. I'm hoping uh, maybe he's the good luck charm that finally, uh, <laughs> finally brings us towards the playoffs, so we shall see. Hey, a World Series win to start off his, uh, his life would be a good way to, to start, I think. <laughs> yeah, that would be not too bad at all. Uh, maybe not first year, but hopefully within the next few years at least, yeah. <laughs> And sorry for keeping up, keeping you up too late. Because I know sleep is probably not uh, your friend right now with the new. No, no, that's (laughs) well. Early on, it's kind of uh, a little touch and go, but now we're into a routine, so it's all good. Anything else you wanted to add? Uh, no, not really. I just, uh, I just wanted to thank you guys for having me and uh, go uh, Canadians. Uh, Well, they're losing right now. But uh, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a very interesting start to the season. We've I don't know if you've you've looked up on it much, but we generally don't get very many prospects till 
kind of you know middle to late later on the season as the playoff races heat up but from from the very start we've had we've got a few guys that can definitely be considered you know top 10 maybe you know maybe top 15 uh prospects so mm-hmm. it's been it's been fun so far um greg hasn't he's probably been to more games than me and i'm i'm accredited <laughs> it's just been very unlucky well, I'm accredited now. Yes, so don't we're worry both about accredited now, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's worth paying attention to him, Ian, and if you come out here for a game, we'll have to uh, hook you up for uh, a Canadiens game once you come out. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I've been to, uh, I went to Nat Billy, uh, I think it was three or four years ago, and it's uh, one, of the, one of the nicest parks I've been to. So if I'm mm. ever in Vancouver, definitely be back for sure. Not much has changed, but renovations will probably be, be done at the end of the this season so after this season we'll have you come in for a, a game <laughs> you can see the renovations <laughs> wonderful all right ian talk to you later all right thanks thanks ian thank you thanks ian and uh we'll we'll go right into the next interview and because we're short on time and, and get right into it but uh we'll bring in uh, connor penfold of the mccovey chronicles right now and sorry connor I've, i i did my research but it's i'm now four beers deep um <laughs> so it's eluding me somewhat you 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 contribute to mccovey chronicles which is a blog under the sb uh umbrella um about yeah. the giants and and their system but then you also have your own blog as well and i i looked at it i read a few articles but i can't find it right now <laughs> with my computer in front of me so can you give me that please yeah i uh started a blog about two years ago called giant potential that's it. And uh, just really have loved baseball for a long time now and majored in journalism in, in college and um, kind of decided I wanted to dive into the baseball journalistic world myself and get into the minor leagues where maybe some of the access is a little bit easier. And so, yeah, for two years now, I've been interviewing Giants prospects and getting video and photos and just doing some basic analysis on guys and uh, thankfully, I got the chance to start contributing on McCovey Chronicles um, about three or four months ago. So it's been a blast so far. So whereabouts are you based? Are, where, how are you getting these interviews? Are you are you nearby a, a, an affiliate, or is it just kind of you, you're reaching out to I them? Was, yeah, I was uh, born and raised in Sacramento, uh, California, okay. and went to school uh, in Los Angeles at Biola University. And so during my time... At school, I was able to go to a lot of California League um, parks like Rancho Cucamonga, Inland Empire, like Elsinore, um, et cetera, and see the San Jose Giants who play in that league. Um, that's our high A affiliate. And when I am uh, up in Sacramento, I'm able to catch the Fresno Grizzlies, our AAA affiliate, when they play uh, the Sacramento River Cats, and also a lot of um, Cal League teams from the northern part of that league so and then i've i've done some some long drives up to salem occasionally to visit a friend and got a chance to catch the volcanoes a few times and out to arizona for spring training so i kind of just go go where i can go where my my budget allows me to go to get this stuff well that's fun that's really great and and just to go off topic for a second because the the cali league kind of it's a bit of an enigma for me you know you hear all these stories obviously the the hitter stats are, are quite inflated in that league. And I was on Twitter with um, someone from Baseball America. I can't remember who it was uh, a couple of months ago. And he was saying that, you know, the it's even like the parks there aren't actually minor league parks. It's like Sandlot Park, some of them. You know, the, <laughs> the facilities aren't all that great. 
Um, the ball obviously carries is the dry air of mm-hmm. California, you know, inland off the coast in, in quite a few of them. What do you, do you think the park factor there and, and just the league itself does make a difference, you know, from, from what we see as opposed to, you know, Toronto has their, their team in Dunedin in the Florida State League, which is quite renowned as a pitcher's league just because the humidity, mm-hmm. the big ballparks, um, you know, they're playing in the spring training facilities of their, of their big league clubs, et cetera. Yeah, there's, you pretty much touched on the factors there. The, the dry air definitely helps the ball carry a bit more. And you've got some really funky parks like uh, Bakersfield, um, the, the, the Cincinnati Reds um, affiliate there. The Blaze play in a really bizarre park that, just because of the heat, makes the ball carry because it's probably an average of 104 degrees there during the entire summer. Jeez. But their center field wall... I can't think of the exact dimensions right now, but it's, it's got to be 370 or something to center field. Now there is a bit of a, a height um, that they've put on the wall to, to kind of compensate for that. But um, So that's a, that's a park where the ball flies. you got places like, um, let's see, High Desert and Lancaster, um, both places where the wind notoriously just blows straight out to center field. And then you combine that with the dry um, temperatures, and it just makes for a place where guys can kind of inflate their offensive stats. Right. How do you feel if you're a pitcher and you get assigned to one of these places? Yeah, and that's always talked about. I mean, I I remember hearing stuff about Mark Appel before he joined uh, the Lancaster Jethawks uh, at the beginning of this year. It was the talk was, you know, will will they put him there? Will they put mm-hmm. him in a place where in in a league where he might have inflated stats um, and maybe have him get frustrated having to deal with these kind of dimensions and these kind of conditions. But uh, they ended up sending a Pell there and, you know, he has, he has struggled a bit, but um, yeah, I, I always, I always ask pitchers and hitters both, you know, what it's like to move from each league, because especially in the giants, it just goes back and forth. You're in the, the South Atlantic league, a total pitchers league. And then you move one level up, Cal League, uh, Hitters League, no doubt. Mm-hmm. One level above that, you're in the Eastern League, which is, again, back to a Pitchers League. Right. And then you go to the Pacific Coast League, back to a Hitters League. So they're, there's just back and forth. And, you know, they, they tell me that they don't really care about which parks they're playing and which league they're playing, and they just try to go with their game. But it definitely makes a difference. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, obviously, the Jays have moved away from the Pacific Coast League uh, two years ago now. But we saw pitchers coming straight up from Double A just because they didn't want to subject them to to Las Vegas, <laughs> which I think was oh, Vegas is just the worst. Yeah, it's yeah. It, that's the extreme end. I mean, same with that that chat I was having with the with the guy from Baseball America is, you know, he said the Pacific Coast League. You know, you have your few parks like like in in Vegas and and elsewhere, but then you have a lot of very fair parks as well, whereas. Mm-hmm. The Cali League was kind of across the board. You know, it it was pretty tough on pitchers. So, mm-hmm. you know, in, in Vegas, it was sort of, you know, obviously, yeah, that, that's where they were playing their home games, and maybe it did affect their repertoire. They they would shy away from from breaking balls and whatnot. But, you know, yeah, it's it's, it's interesting, like you said, how they, they can skip from a pitcher's league to a, a hitter's league and then as they move up the ladder. But, you know, from speaking to players myself, they're they're really only focused on one goal. So, like you say, they don't—they don't really care. 
Um, but but moving on, like, the reason we're having you on is because the Canadians just finished up a five-game series with the uh, with the Salem Kaiser Volcanoes, who are the Northwest League affiliate of the San Francisco Giants. Um, so this is a bit ad hoc after the fact, but still uh, interesting to get your perspective on on some of the players we saw here at the Nat. Um, we were talking a bit off air. You know, it's a bit of a different team for for the Volcanoes this year. Can you explain that a bit further? Yeah. So. As I was just waiting for the rosters to come out, I'm, I'm assuming that there'd be a lot of guys from extended spring training from the AZL team last year that would be making a, making the trek up to Salem. And what I, what's interesting about this team is that it's just a lot of repeat guys from last year's Salem um, team. And, uh, especially one guy that I was shocked to see back in the lineup was a guy you mentioned earlier, Andrew Leanhouse, who had a phenomenal year with the Volcanoes last season. And if it weren't for the rehab assignment for our the Giants' number one pick last year, Christian Arroyo, uh, shortstop out of Florida in high school, he um, the team really wouldn't have any top prospects at this moment. But uh, he made a diving play with the Augusta Green Jackets about two months ago and hyperextended his thumb. And I spoke to him about a week or so ago, and he says he's fully recovered from that. But they're just going to have him play maybe the rest of the season uh, in Salem-Kaiser and get, get, his, uh, get his feel back for the game. But, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just bizarre to see such a lack of, of talent, and it doesn't help that the Giants haven't signed a lot of their 2014 draftees. So once that starts to kind of file through, you'll see, you'll see a, good, a good number of names end up playing there. Yeah, touching on Leanhouse, I mean, yeah, like you said, he was very good last year. He's he's 24 now, so he you know drafted out of um, Northeastern University. He's he's getting old for this league, and and he's been aside from a third of an, an inning in his first game this year. He's been he's been excellent in his last three starts. So, you know, have you have you heard anything in the grapevine as to why he's still in Salem Kaiser? I mean, is there just no room yeah, for him I, above? Yeah, um, the Giants um, affiliates seem to be stacked in terms of pitching, uh, which could attribute to why Leanhouse didn't get the promotion to Augusta to begin this season. Um, I got to see one of his starts uh, last last year when I went up and caught four or five games, and um, you know he he showed a good changeup, he showed good uh, good location with his fastball, and you know, all all indications pointed to him being a guy, especially with his age, that could end up um, at some higher level. But yeah, I think he's just kind of in a place where he's almost stuck. But I, I can't see him finishing the year based on how he's been pitching with Salem Kaiser. So you know, likely likely he'll get maybe a, a late season promotion, especially if Augusta ends up making the playoffs. And and you touched on Arroyo. So he was a first-round pick last year. Correct. Um, I read, uh, who did I read? That, I think MLB.com and maybe Baseball America as well had him as the fifth in their top ten um, off-season Giants prospects. I thought I read something from you, actually, that you thought that might have been a bit aggressive. Um, where, where did you see him coming into the season? Yeah, um, I think a lot of... A lot of guys that you know 
have thoughts about the Giants system, we're, su- we're surprised to see. Um, I know for sure the MLB pipeline ranked um, ranked Royal fifth heading into 2014, and I believe Baseball America had him fifth or somewhere in there as well. And I was that just always surprises me to see a guy that they'd really not seen before and project him to be, you know, better than guys that have experience. If if I were to make rankings, I would I would lean towards guys that have played at least, you know, one or two years in the pros and kind of hang back the guys that were just drafted to the maybe the bottom part of the top 10, middle part of the top 10 to top 20. Uh, but nonetheless, um, Arroyo still seems to be quite a talent if he can just stay healthy. Um, what really caught me off guard was him leading the Arizona League last year in slugging percentage. And he's not really known to be a power guy, but you know, through 184 at bats, he had 18 doubles, which led the league, uh, five triples and two home runs. And that was in a league that had Clint Frazier, uh, the Indians' first round selection last year. And you know, you'd, you'd think with the kind of raw power that he has uh, from the left side that he'd 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 put up some good stats. But uh, yeah, Royo surprisingly led the whole league in slugging. Yeah, there was actually a, a Langley kid too last year drafted by the Mariners that put up six or seven home runs in the Arizona League last year. So that is surprising. I thought his slugging would have been up there as well. Yeah, it helped. It helped with his eighteen doubles and five triples. It just kind of balanced it out. Yeah, which is which is odd. I saw him. In, I haven't, as I said, I've been a bit unlucky with with my game time this year. I, I saw his home run. Um, he's hit two in this series, um, the second and third games uh, of the series, his first two of the uh, of the Northwest League season, at least. Um, I saw the uh, I saw the second one. He, it was in the uh, the ninth inning. Andrew Case. It was Canada Day, so the Seas yep. brought in their one Canadian member, <laughs> Andrew Case, who that was a bomb. Too. Promptly served up a bomb to Arroyo. Yeah, um, and I don't know how much you've heard about about Nat Bailey Stadium here in Vancouver, but you know, as far as I think what is it? Minor League Central, the website off the top of my head, does park factors for um, for all mm-hmm. the minor league systems, and I mean it was far and away the, the worst for home run hitting in the Northwest League last year. So it, it's wow. Okay, if, if you hit one out of the net, you, you're doing something <laughs> well, and and they weren't the one I saw wasn't a paint scraper. So and, and I think it was a 93 or 94 mile an hour. Yeah, case case probably throws yeah low low nineties and it wasn't a poor pitch at all and he took it well over the wall. It was it was fun to watch. You guys like when I see a guy who hasn't hit a home run yet during the year, although he did hit one in Augusta. I just you know if I see a guy hit two in a row in a series, I'm thinking okay wait maybe this park you know has a has a high home run factor and it's easy to hit hit bombs there. But with you guys saying. That it's such a hard park. That's uh, that's good to hear that he was able to hit two over the fence. Yeah, in a well, park that's not known for it. It's a big park. It's got big fences, and, and we're at sea level, so the ball doesn't carry mm-hmm. much at all. And and you know, but touching back on on what you're saying about the doubles and the triples, he he seems like a big guy. Like he, he when I when I see him physically, he doesn't strike me as a as a speed guy. So. He's either he's either hitting gaps and and cruising in for doubles, or he's he's deceptively fast because he you know he looked big for a shortstop is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's going to be mm-hmm. able to stick there. Um, I didn't I didn't get to see him much as far as his footwork and and his hands were concerned, but 
he he seemed like a pretty big fella for for that position. I don't, I don't know if you've heard more. Yeah, no, um, that's that's something that has been touched on is that he's he's very stocky for a shortstop, and um, in terms of defense, we've seen with the way the Giants have played him to begin this season in Augusta, they had him playing uh, second base. Uh, with Ryder Jones, our second round pick last season, playing um, shortstop, and he was cast as a third baseman. So just the fact that they had him playing second base instead of shortstop kind of shows where they're trying to go uh, with him defensively moving forward. Um, which just says his his defense probably isn't his isn't his best uh, skill set, um, in that they are willing to play him both uh, second and short. Right. But at the same time, I think he's still got some speed. But in terms of the doubles and the triples, um, he's just—he's always described to me that he's a—he's a gap to gap kind of hitter, and he—that's—that's that's what his his approach is to hit those balls middle away into the right center field gap, and he apparently did that very well last year, hitting five triples and eighteen doubles. That's 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 what you want to do. And like you said, so. Of the draft, and sorry, I'm going to plead ignorance here, you know, in, investing myself so heavily in the Blue Jays system, I've got no <laughs> idea what the Giants, no, Giants did no in the worries. draft. So uh, what did you, did they go college heavily or, or was, it, was it high school sort of that they went in the, in the upper rounds? And, and of those rounds, who can we expect to see in Salem-Kaiser once signed? Well, their first round selection uh, this, this, this past month was the big right-handed pitcher out of Vanderbilt, Tyler Beattie. Ah, well, we know him quite well, yes. Very good rapper, <laughs> yeah. from what we're told. Very good rapper, yeah. yeah. That, uh, he values a Vanderbilt a education. Videos oh. circulating around. Yeah, he reckons two and a half million or three million bucks uh, a Vanderbilt education is worth more than that. <laughs> yeah, good for you. Yeah, he likes to uh, represent his, his hometown of Boston. Um, but yeah, with him... With him going late into the College World Series with Vanderbilt, makes sense that he has yet to sign, and that's still an ongoing process. But um, it'll be interesting to see if if the Giants decide to pitch him a little bit more. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know how many innings he pitched this season with Vandy. But um, well, he actually they they ended up winning the College World Series, but he took the one loss and actually got knocked around pretty hard in 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 the final, didn't he? he? Did. Which you know, obviously, it's one game. We can't we can't read too much into it, but he uh, he was definitely a, a polarizing figure coming into this draft because obviously he's got first round talent. But I know Ken Rosenthal at ESPN dot com sent a lot of tweets out, you know, based on his makeup, saying that he could actually fall out of the first round. He didn't, obviously, but there. I think there's a lot of differing opinions on on Beatty as as a player and a person. Yeah, he was all over the place in the stuff that I read, and uh, I was surprised that he fell to us. Um, I believe the 13th pick is what the what the Giants had, and um, you know, I was I was happy with the pick, but I think I'm I think I'm more uh, anxious about some of the some of the later picks. Um, really, really interested to see a guy that the Giants selected in the second round, Aramis Garcia. Um, a catcher with a lot of offensive upside, and he's yet to been signed. And I think he's a guy that could go straight to Salem Kaiser when he does finally sign. Um, 
But with that being said, there's currently four catchers on the Salem Kaiser roster. So, boy, who knows what they're going to have to do when they when they decide to you know move those guys around because it's just so jam piled there. Mm. Um, another guy is our, the Giants' third round selection, uh, Dylan Davis, a two way guy out of Oregon State. Um, plays the corner outfield, but can also pitch. But I think they'll end up end up using him more of as a as an outfielder. But he was known to touch mid mid to high nineties, I believe, when pitching at Oregon State. Wow. That's interesting because I mean, oftentimes you don't you don't hear two way guys in in college. It's more of the high school. And do mm-hmm. you, do you buy out their their college? commitment and and get them to focus on one position or do they want to go to college and then kind of see which one is the better one so mm. curious to see and and same with Beatty. i mean like you say when he signs he uh, the northwest league and, and the blue jays did it for marcus stroman he came for you know very polished college product first round pick came for i think it was about three weeks and then Not was off to double a so it, it's very possible that that the uh the league is graced with a uh, with young beta as well. Young beta. Yes, I can't remember. I'm, I'm trying to remember his rap moniker off the top of my head. Yep, that is it. Um, you nailed it. But uh, an Oregon State because um, they they usually go quite deep, but they didn't they didn't go as far this year as either did they? So it's it's I'm surprised that um, there's a few. It sounds like the the Giants there's a few signings they're taking right down to the wire. Yeah. Um, I can't say I know a, a huge amount about Oregon State and their program, um, other than Dylan Davis and uh, Michael Conforto, obviously a, a first-round guy. Um, but going back to the uh, the roster, we uh, the Giants signed a Cuban outfielder by the name of Daniel Carbonell about two weeks ago. I don't know if you heard about that through the, the wire. Um, He's an interesting, in, 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 um, interesting signing in that he's already been assigned to the Volcanoes and is on the roster, but is listed as a reserve. So, what that leads me to believe is that there's some sort of hang-up, maybe with his visa or with his health, maybe. Um, but when all of that is cleared, and he's ready to go. He's another guy that will be in the in the Volcanoes lineup. Um, and he's, he's kind of a, a project, um, switch hitting center fielder with plus plus speed, uh, cannon for an arm, but you know, will his hit tool be all that it's been talked about? And it's probably been the lowest of, of all the five tools, but, um, depending on who you talk to could, if he works through this kind of project, you know, body that he is, could end up being a pretty solid player, but worth noting that he was not on the Cuban national team like some other Cuban names who, uh, we've been hearing about lately. Right. Yeah. If, I mean, just from experience on on my behalf, if if he's if he's listed but not here, it's probably paperwork issues. I think Boise last year, in yeah. fact, had three guys couldn't come up for the playoffs, right? Because the, their mm. visas, I think, two were Venezuelan and one was Cuban, and. Yeah. I mean, we're talking playoffs. They had plenty of time to, to get it in order, and I don't know if they didn't think about it or if it just wasn't possible, but you know, couldn't yeah. couldn't make the trip up to Vancouver for just that reason. So, Well, Max Pentecost, the Blue Jays, 
pick in the in the second round. He uh, well, no, second first round or eleventh overall. Right, sorry, um, uh, he can't come to Vancouver. They want him here, and they signed him, but he has to just sit sit at home and wait for the passport to come in the mail, and he can't make it until he gets <laughs> that. So, <laughs> it's Americans guess, they don't have passports, do right. they, Connor? <laughs> well, you don't need them. Yeah, You've got the I whole fifty uh, states. <laughs> I can't say I've I've had a lot of passport experience, but it seems like it shouldn't be that difficult. It no. just takes long to process yeah. it. I think once you apply for it, it's yeah. no no problem applying. It's just you got to wait till you get it. So I'm just actually I finally got your guys um, on the MLB page. The draft selections up, and I can only count one, two, three, four signings thus far. I mean, are you worried at all that it's taking so long? Um, yeah, well, that's not entirely updated. There's, yeah, I'm guessing. Uh, I'd say there's probably eight or nine guys that that are signed. I think I think if I remember correctly, the names that they have listed signed are Sam Coonrod, uh, Greg Brody, Matthew Gage, uh, Jared Deacon, who's with the Volcanoes now. Um, can't think of the, of the other names, but yeah, there's there's probably five or six more that have now been added to the um, Arizona League. Uh, roster and have been playing a few games with them. But yeah, just thinking back to last year, I remember most of the guys were signed much quicker than this. Um, so it's, I don't, I wouldn't say it's, it's any cause for, uh, for worry, but maybe just some impatience, um, on my part and on uh, people like my part who are just anxious to see what these guys can do. Right, and I'm looking, you know, just very quickly scanning, doing some napkin uh, calculations here. A lot of 93s, 92s, you know, win the first kind of 13 rounds or so. So it seems like they went very college-heavy in the upper yep. end of their draft. Is that sort of the Giants' MO as far as the draft, or is this just kind of a, a, a one-off year? Yeah, I don't know if I could categorize them as a, a college-heavy team when it comes to drafting especially when you look at some of our top prospects. Kyle Crick was a high school arm. Clayton Blackburn, a high school arm. Edwin Escobar wasn't a guy we signed. We got him in a trade um, with, with the Texas Rangers a few years back. Um, I'd say it's pretty mixed, and it really just probably depends on what the class is right. each year and what, or, what organizational minds believe um, is their best need. But um, I think... From 2003 going back through 2001, 2010, they went pretty high school heavy, so I'm not surprised to see a bit of a shift in that uh, this year going with a lot more college guys. And we um, we spoke a bit off air um, just about how the um, the system set up for the Giants. Now you've got an, an Arizona League team, which is the equivalent of the Gulf Coast League that the Blue Jays mm-hmm. employ. Um, but you don't have the Giants don't have that sandwich league like uh, like the Jays do in the Appalachian League. So do you do you find that uh, that the Giants because I mean the the Jays we you know from my experience are quite sort of conservative of of how they promote prospects and they like them often to be quite linear from the GCL to the Appy to mm-hmm. Northwest League and on to the Midwest League. Uh, are the Giants? Do you, do you see them being a bit more aggressive, or, or are some kids held back and, and they repeat the AZL before before they they figure out they're ready for um, for Salem Kaiser and then onward to Augusta? 
Yeah, I'd, I'd categorize them as uh, pretty a pretty middle ground team when it comes to that. Um, I've seen them be pretty aggressive with um, a few number of players, but they're certainly no um, certainly no Miami Marlins when it comes to you know aggressiveness with you know Jose Fernandez and other players that they've just shot up. Um, but the guy that the the Volcanoes had last year, a big, tall right-hander, Pat Young, uh, I was surprised to see skip the South Atlantic League and pitch this season with uh, the San Jose Giants in the Cal League. Um, and then at the same time, you've got guys like Lean House, who, who was held back um, in his repeating this year despite how good he pitched. And So, you know, to answer your question in a general sense, I think for the most part they're pretty linear and they'll take into account how a guy looked um, throughout the season and maybe how they progressed during spring training and you know, pretty pretty basic stuff. Um, but mid-season promotions are, are definitely something that uh, I look forward to because of the way that um, they've done it in, in years past. And we've seen probably four or five guys in the last week or so get promotions to the higher the um, the, the, the level above. So it's a good time of the year to expect expect those and see who's going to get get rewarded for their play. Yeah, around the All Star breaks in the various leagues, it's it's kind of fun mm-hmm. to, to to first speculate and then see who is, if you're proven correct as to who's moving on. Um, well, I mean, Salem Kaiser currently sit five games back in in the South Division. Hillsborough surprisingly have, uh, have been excellent so far. So. Once you guys get, once the Giants get all these kids signed and, and in there, then this this conversation we might be having another conversation closer to playoff time. You never know. Yeah, they they are in need right now of some of some talent that'll get them uh, get them going. There just seems to be kind of a, a staleness maybe to to the team because it's it's just so so similar to last year. Um, and, and not that it's entirely the same team as last year, but it's just guys that, if you've been following the Giants for a while, they don't they don't strike you. Um, they're not eye popping uh, guys, eye popping mm-hmm. prospects that you'd hope to see there. So um, they're they're hanging in there. The the, uh, the bullpen's a little little stretched and a little a little weary, but um, yeah, we could we could definitely be having a much different conversation. In uh, in a month or so, if if some of these guys get signed, well, yeah, we saw that over the over the five game set. As, uh, Greg, I don't know you, you were there in Canada, yeah. and and I mean there was there was at least double digit hit hit by pitches, and then yeah. of course we had the uh, <laughs> the almost brawl last night, which was uh, I thought fun, but it could have gotten pretty <laughs> ugly. Um, well, not just oh, what happened there. Um, I'm just I'm just bringing up the box score because I can't remember who it was. Um, because um, I, I was late, actually. I was playing hockey, and I, I was telling Greg this. I, it was my brother's birthday, and he was there. So I thought, oh, you know what? I'll go to the park. So I got there in the bottom of the seventh, and Sam and Kaiser were up 3-1. They scored one in the um, in the top of the eighth to make it 4-1, and, and the crowd just sort of life had gone out of the crowd. I'm like, oh, well, at least I got to say hi to my brother. And then the C scored five in the bottom of the eighth, um, but hit – our second baseman, Tim LaCrastro, which I believe was for the third time on the night and sixth time in the mm. series or something like that. So the umpire, even though it looked 
accidental. The umpire decided, and uh, you've been up to Salem Kaiser, Northwest League umpires can be very, let's call it inconsistent. Um, <laughs> yeah. Decided to, to warn both benches, which prompted both managers to come out and speak to him at the same time, which I thought was quite interesting. And it seemed like they maybe said, you know, look, you don't have to do this. But then um, Brett Barber, the C's de facto closer, hit the Salem-Kaiser leadoff man, um, top, top of the ninth, which got him ejected straight away. Funnily enough, he didn't eject uh, John Snyder, the C's manager, but Snyder made sure that it happened anyways by going out and, and getting his two cents <laughs> in, or five minutes it seemed in. Um, and then the next hitter, uh, it, it must have been actually a Royal, uh, grounded into a fielder's choice, and, and Jonas Shui Fargus, I guess it is? Yes. Went in very, very hard on our uh, our young shortstop, Franklin Barreto, and then had words with Barreto and subsequently LeCastro and then Ryan McRoom, the first baseman. And it was quite funny because Salem Kaiser's bullpen sort of jogged in. It was a very slow kind of, uh, <laughs> we you know, maybe we should go in and, and see what's going on. Right. But, but the C's didn't. And it was like, okay, this is a bit odd. And then all of a sudden the C's <laughs> bull bench and bullpen came flying in at a dead sprint. <laughs> it was hilarious. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, that was a nice delayed reaction, but you didn't have to run that fast. Yeah. Um, and then it, it, it did look like it was going to get out of hand, but thankfully the C's, the, the two coaches left, uh, were, uh, were fighting fires all over the place and, and managed to get everybody separated. Um, but it, it, it could have gotten very ugly. And I'm, I'm, I don't know if you've seen one before, but you've seen how his minor league brawls can sometimes can, can get out of hand mm-hmm. just because there's not enough yeah. peacemakers yeah. Uh, available like like on the major league level. So too bad it was the final game of the series, though. Imagine if it was the well. First I, th- I think that was five part, game series. I think that was part of it. There were so many HBPs throughout the series, yeah. and it, it got a bit ugly at times. Well, they were unintentional, right? It's well, such a yeah, weird conclusion. Yeah, and the seas had, had beaten up on them a couple of games, so yeah. maybe maybe the Volcanoes were just a bit frustrated, and and it just kind of went from there. But interesting if the, if they get all those guys signed and and. You know, you never know. Vancouver is currently losing to uh, to Spokane, so that'll drop them down. <laughs> well, if any fan base will know in this league that you can have a poor regular season and show up playoff time, it's the Vancouver it's fans. Because this happened fans, a couple yeah. of times. You don't win three straight championships without uh, pouring it on all of a sudden in playoff time. Well, I guess that's just the nature of uh, some of these minor league teams, especially mm-hmm. ones like these short season teams, is your team could look 85% different in, you know, August, September than it did June, you know, whatever, whenever they start. Mm-hmm. So that it's hard for a team to stay in a groove and get into a nice rhythm with their teammates. And sometimes the, the count level drops off. Sometimes it, it, it gets better as the season goes on. So I, I can't, you know, I can't imagine what it's like for these guys to just keep bouncing around. It makes for, <laughs> Very interesting dynamic. Yeah, I mean, you talked to him too. It must be a very interesting lifestyle. Not, you know, obviously some guys have been signed to pretty big bonuses, but others haven't, and they're not making a ton of money, and they're they're living out of suitcases and very very itinerant lifestyle. Uh, before we let you go, Connor, um, we'll get you to give your two cents. I'm assuming Oakland's a bit of a rival for you. What do you think of the big trade that they have they apparently have made within the last hour? Yeah, I was- I was just reading up on it while I was waiting for this. Uh, you know, it it would be quick to jump to uh, conclusions and think that the A's, with how good they've been playing, are now just an absolute lock to 
play well um, the rest of the season and in the playoffs and probably get to the World Series. I know that's what a lot of my Oakland Athletic uh, friends are saying already, <laughs> uh, especially with how how positive the season has gone so far. But you just got to think at some point, Jason Hamill is going to regress a bit. Yeah. Because um, when he was when he was in the NL West with the Rockies, he was just you know a, a pretty mediocre to above average pitcher. Um, and same with Samarja. I mean, he's having an incredible year this year. But I can't I can't think that two starting pitchers that are probably having their best season to date are going to just make something like that automatic. But uh, weird to see Addison Russell uh, leave leave the Cal League or um, or leave the leave the A's at least. Um, been been watching him for a while and really couldn't fathom them giving him up, but. Big move, Billy Bean made. Big, big move. Big move, and and knowing Billy Bean, you know they their starting pitching has been fabulous so far this year, is like you said. So there could be more moves afoot, and you know he may he may flip one or two of them or, or someone else for for another prospect. So who knows? I'm sure he's not done. It it, it sure seems that he's got an idea that you know the, the team's as good as it's going to get right now, and they need to they need to go up all out and all in right now to try to get that World Series. Yep. Well, I'd say good luck to him, but not over the next two games at least. <laughs> are, the, uh, are the Blue Jays going to um, um, face the A's here? Yeah, they're, well, they, we just lost today in, in 12, one nothing. So oh. it shows you how um, it was okay. a very well-pitched yeah. game. Uh, whatever his name is, Tommy Malone against Marcus Stroman. Yeah, um, yeah both, both threw very well. But the Blue Jays' offense right now, we've got, there's a lot of injuries, and, and we're, they're really scuffling. So it's, it, it could get uglier before it gets better, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But anyways, we'll, um, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll end it there. Thanks very much, Connor. We uh, much appreciate it. That was, that was very good. And like I said, it's a bit posthumous, but you never know. Uh, we, could, we could be seeing the Volcanoes again come playoff time. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, hey, for our side at least. Uh, Greg, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. All right, that does it for this week's Your Van C's weekly podcast. Uh, thanks to our guests for coming in, Ian Hunter, Connor Penfold. Uh, you can find Ian on Twitter at BlueJHunter, and you can find Connor Penfold at, at Giant underscore Potential. That's his website, GiantPotential.com uh, and BlueJHunter.com. Did you have something to say, Charlie? No, I'm... You have a looking at me like you. Have <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to. Obviously, I'm looking forward to these two series, but they're on the road, so mm-hmm. don't get to see any baseball. But then they 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 return home. So what have they got? Three games to Spokane, day off, and then, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in Everett. So then Friday they'll be back home against Everett. Everett yeah. come with them. They can share buses, you know, hang out. <laughs> um, be a long, another long series for the... Well, yeah, it should series. be fun because, yeah, same thing. You know, that'll, be, that'll make it six in a row against the same team. Mm-hmm. So could be a few rivalries. And, I mean, Everett have traditionally the last couple of years been their biggest rival. I know they've gotten off to a, a bit of a tougher start this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll just be fun. I, I, I was looking at the calendar, and I'm we were talking about this a bit. Um, I, I really I want to track, you know, Wazi and Laborte and, and Castro, but I, I haven't been very lucky with them. Right. 
thus far. So I've been trying to figure out. So it's we'll a long see season, they, though. Yeah, it's a long they season. Call it the short season, but there's still a month and a half left. Yeah. So we'll see what they do months. with their days off and, and how the pitching rotation plays out. But hopefully mm-hmm. we get to see them come next weekend. We didn't get any questions this week. I'm very disappointed. Yeah. Unless, unless a couple trickled in on Twitter last minute. I don't think they did. But uh, if you do want to email us, uh, we have an email address set up. It's yourvancs at gmail.com. Yourvancs at gmail.com. Check out the website, yourvancs.com. Charlie's got the stats post up there now and posts all the episodes as well uh, on his blog and uh, also on Twitter you can find Charlie at at Charlie Kasky C-A-S-K-E-Y is his last name and I'm at Greg Ballock S-T Greg B-A-L-L-O-C-H S-T and uh, follow us on our subscribe I guess on iTunes because we're on there now Uh, if you do want to get automatic updates instead of having to go to our SoundCloud page you can just go on there and subscribe and uh, I think that pretty much covers it, Charlie. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, as you said the stats. I've done the hitter stats. So I haven't done the pitcher stats right. yet. So that'll that'll hopefully get up on the site soon. And and yeah, if people want to listen to the podcast on from the site, by all means. I'm disappointed. I'm going to Edmonton, and there will be no prospectors game while I'm there. No. So that's a little. There's one the day I arrive, I think, but I'm going straight up. Up north, so I won't be there. The, I, mean, I am spending three days in Edmonton, and they're not in town. So, who's so. which league are the Edmonton Prospectors in? Not one hundred percent sure, but I believe it's some sort of independent league, like the, like the Can Am League or yeah. something, isn't it? Yeah, I know what you mean. Which is baseball is baseball to me. I'd still like to go to a game, but I guess I won't get the chance this time around. This goes yeah. back to the question we had uh, last week, didn't it? From the guy that was signed from the Winnipeg team. That's right. probably the same league. I'm around, guessing. yeah, I think that's around the same same yeah. type same type of league, at least. Yes. I think it's a probably along the same level as your inner county baseball league, which is what I was watching in Hamilton. So, right, you know, maybe one level higher than that. So, either way, it'll be another week and a bit before you get another podcast. So, apologies in advance, but we'll be back before you know it. So, make sure you you stay tuned to our Twitter accounts and our SoundCloud page and our iTunes page. We're all over the place. Got your Vancouver Canadians covered. Uh, so, on behalf of everyone. That we had on the show today and Charlie. Thanks for listening and see you next time on Your Van C's weekly podcast.